From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, October 11th. President Joe Biden signed proclamations last week to officially restore Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. From our partners at KUER, Lexi Peary has more. A day before Biden's announcement, Utah leaders released statements opposing the restoration. They're in favor of the smaller monument designations from the Trump administration. But Biden says national monuments and parks need to be protected for future generations. The protection of public lands must become, must not become, I should say, a pendulum that swings back and forth depending on who's in public office. It's not a partisan issue. Tribal leaders and environmental groups thanked Biden for the proclamations. Clark Tanakongba is a member of the Hopi tribe and the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition. I can honestly say right now, for the next four years, we will work diligently to make this a permanent place where, through legislation, that we don't undo what our work has come this far. Tanakh Hongva says now the tribes are focused on developing and implementing co-management plans for Bears Ears. For KUER News, I'm Lexi Peary in St. George. After the restoration of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments, Indigenous advocates in our region are hoping to keep up the momentum for other sacred sites in need of protection. The Mountain West News Bureau's Maggie Mullen reports. Taylor Patterson is the executive director of Native Voters Alliance Nevada and a member of the Bishop Paiute tribe. She says it's been encouraging to see an Indigenous-led effort be successful. And I think it's created this appetite for, hey, let's actually pay attention to what our tribal people are saying and and where do they see significance. One place Patterson says she hopes will get more attention, Avikwame, or Spirit Mountain, in the southernmost tip of Nevada. It's tied to at least a dozen tribes, including the Fort Mojave Indian tribe. It's pushing the Biden administration to proclaim more than 380,000 acres the Avikwame National Monument. Advocates say the designation would protect the area from recent threats like sprawl from Las Vegas and wind and sun energy projects. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Maggie Mullen. The Ute Indian Museum in Montrose, Colorado, opened a new art exhibit in September featuring the work of Greg Deal titled Merciless Indian Savages. It's a provocative show, an indigenous exploration of what American democracy means for Indian country. The show will be up through January. Gavin Dahl from our partners at KVNF spoke to him about his work. Greg Deal is a contemporary artist and activist whose work deals with indigenous identity through a pop culture lens. Thanks for joining me, Greg. Thanks for having me. Start by telling listeners about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you based? And what are the mediums you like to work in? I grew up in Utah, meeting my wife there and moving to Washington, D.C., where we lived for about 17 years before we moved to Colorado. I live in El Paso County uh, on the outskirts of Colorado Springs, and I work primarily in paint and murals and performance art and uh, conceptual work, filmmaking, spoken word. I mean, you name it. I'm kind of using everything. There's so many striking images in your current show at the Ute Indian Museum in Montrose, including the piece that reads Existence as Protest, another that reads Solidarity Through Tradition. Even a COVID public service announcement of sorts that says, protect our elders. You include a piece in your show at the museum that juxtaposes cartoon depictions of native characters and caricatures 
into a silhouette of the chief Wahoo image used by the baseball team in Cleveland that's also nearing an official name change. As you know, the Montrose School District still utilizes native mascot iconography at the high school and one of the middle schools, but under a new state law in Colorado, those schools are likely going to change mascots by next year. I've heard plenty of locals in Montrose say the school mascots are not intended to offend. They're a source of pride for alumni, other arguments like that. Talk about why you've been outspoken on this issue for many years in your work and in your public statements. Like you said, I've been at this for a few years in Washington, D.C. I was uh, one of many voices that were at the head of the uh, mascot debate with the Washington football team and have had an opportunity to participate at a lower level, but uh, certainly participate in Colorado under this new law. There's a uh, school in our area uh, called Cheyenne Mountain and their mascot were Indians. And it kind of happens a couple of ways. One is uh, people who just, they don't really want to give up the perception of their tradition and it doesn't make sense to give it up. And oftentimes having indigenous people inform this discussion has really been difficult because nobody wants to hear it, even if it's a valid discussion. We're part of a generation of people where representation of indigenous people was really one-sided and sort of vapid in its representation. It's stereotypical, it's incorrect, it's based on the perception of non-native people over the course of hundreds of years of romantic nationalism. Those elements have informed what our identity is But in the age of social media, our identity has changed dramatically because we've been able to inform what that identity is. But like anything, old dogs, new tricks, you know, it's really difficult for people to let go of things uh, and realize that maybe what they hold as being non-offensive is in fact, and realizing that there are other ways of thinking of things, there are other ways of honoring, there are other ways of having this discussion and having it in a way that can be positive for a community that's open to hear the stories of actual Indigenous people. Along those lines, stories of actual Indigenous people, you have an acrylic work on canvas at the Ute Museum called Bloody Knees, Bloody Elbows, about a boy at an Indian boarding school. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that painting is based on a story that came out of the boarding school that my relatives went to in uh, Schertz, Nevada. It is meant to illustrate the stories that we don't hear about. Oftentimes, particularly in the art world, we are resorted to storylines that make sense to a buyer's market, and the buyer's market is predominantly white. And so that Western buyer's market wants to, they want to see cowboys and Indians. They want to see the headdresses. They want to see buckskin. Boarding schools are these stories that nobody really wants to talk about because it's ugly and it's painful. But I think in terms of some sort of reconciliation and recognition, and in trying to avoid erasure of indigenous people, not just in the 1800s, but between that time and this time where boarding schools really thrived and existed, that piece is specifically about those events, those boarding schools. Right now, obviously, that's really relevant between the boarding school issues that are gaining ground in Canada and are beginning to gain ground here in the United States. They just found an unmarked grave of about 200 bodies uh, at the boarding school that my relatives went to Mm. in Nevada. So it's a very real issue. And and that piece is meant to sort of illustrate that potent image and something that maybe is a little bit of a different style than a lot of what you mentioned, kind of the graphic style, the sort of propaganda posters. This one is, I feel like it almost conveys pain or 
that reckoning in a way that's different from some of your more striking kind of pop culture takes, you know? Yeah. I mean, that piece is definitely working within a style that I use, but I don't use as much. The story, as the story goes, is a young boy that goes to a boarding school. He's bathed and they put like a talc on him because they think all the native kids are dirty and they, you know, have lice or whatever else. And as they're cleaning him and scrubbing him, the woman who is doing all of that um, sees that his elbows and his knees are darker than the rest of him, which is actually quite common for people who have a little melanin in their skin. And so she took a wire brush and she scrubbed those until they bled. The pain that he felt and soiling his sheets with his own blood in bed are the things that ultimately led to his death. So yeah, I wanted to create something that wasn't as clean and crisp as the graphic stuff, but that uh, was a little more painterly and something that could sort of articulate the pain and rawness of that story. Powerful work. That's artist and activist Greg Deal. His art exhibit, Merciless Indian Savages, is on display at the Ute Indian Museum in Montrose through January. He also sells stickers, patches, pins, stencils, t-shirts, all at greggdeal.com. Thanks for speaking on the radio with me, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, October 11th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.